Before we begin, we here at the Deke Geeks podcast are deeply heartbroken and saddened by the tragic events that took place in Nova Scotia this past weekend. At the time of recording this episode, the senseless act of violence has now claimed the lives of 23 people. Among those 23 is Royal Canadian Mounted Police Constable Heidi Stevenson. We extend our thoughts and prayers to those who are mourning the loss of their loved ones and to those that were injured and still in hospital recovering from their injuries. We dedicate this episode to the men and women of law enforcement who risk their lives every day to protect our very own and keep our communities safe. To the citizens of Nova Scotia, we are here for you. We are thinking of you. We pray for you. Together, we are all Nova Scotia strong. To honor the lives of those who have gone before us, We will begin this episode with 23 seconds of silence to remember the 23 lives that were lost this weekend. Welcome back to the club. This is episode two of the Deke Geeks podcast here on Anchor.fm. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Deke Geeks Pod. I am Thomas Mercier, the play-by-play announcer for the Race of Alfred Canadians. And Subri Wolves joining me this week. Very happy to have him on the show. You can listen to him on Mel and Chris in the morning, weekday mornings from 5.30 till 10 on 92.7 Rock here in Subri. He is also the former play-by-play voice of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, Mr. Chris Byrne. Chris, thank you for joining us here. Honored, Thomas. Thank you very much. I'm the Chris part of Mel and Chris in the morning. And when you say that I was a play-by-play guy, I was the disaster play-by-play guy (laughs) in that if i had to do it then it was a complete disaster there were people in front of me but you know as you know with minor hockey you can't honor every single commitment yeah and i mean you know obviously you and i being uh, broadcasters of our own you being of course you know radio broadcaster myself uh you know being technically a radio broadcaster just for a sports forum obviously you know we got to know each other over the last couple of years because of course you would come to race side bow for whenever the canadians were playing especially during those two really big playoff pushes that they had in recent history so you know having you on uh, just the second episode of this podcast is really special to have you here and of course have a bit of a connection when it comes to junior hockey you being in uh you know fort mcmurray and now being here in Sudbury, obviously it's quite the journey for you so i mean we could talk about that a little bit later on now of course at the top of the show um we honor the those lives that were lost in nova scotia this past week and of course uh, yeah. at the time of, at the time of recording this uh, 23 people have died uh as a result of a shooting um you know just a terrible terrible unthinkable unthinkable tragedy uh just it's really hard to put into words to describe how a lot of people are feeling about this. And among one of those people was an RCMP officer. And, you know, Chris, of course, you being on radio, you covered this topic a lot. You and the rest of your crew doing that. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts uh, about this because, I mean, you know, we live on a different side of the country, but most people have relatives that, you know, live out there on the coast, especially Nova Scotia, myself included. And, uh, you know, just to hear about this, it's very, very heartbreaking. 
It absolutely is. And it's Canada. So everyone knows someone, right? So you know someone from Nova Scotia. I got a couple of close friends that live out there. And I have a deep connection with law enforcement in that I have a bursary uh, here in Sudbury with um, with Cambrian for Police Foundation second year students. Mm-hmm. So a, a connection there. And you know, I'm I'm will give Canadian media a lot of credit because one thing that we haven't done is publicized and plastered the guy's face, his name everywhere. I mean, if you dig down into articles, of course you can read it, but it's mm-hmm. not like we're glorifying this senseless act. And no. I we do feel for people in Nova Scotia. No, absolutely. And this this person does not deserve any credit for what happened. It's a senseless absolutely not. It, it's a senseless tragedy, and just I can't imagine you know what's happening there and just you know when this initially happened it was at i believe 13 and now it's risen up to 23 it's it's just unimaginable and has been deemed the uh, the largest mass shooting in the history of our country and it's you know i've i'm 24 years old i've never seen anything like this you know i remember the columbine shooting and obviously the parliament hill attack i've never seen anything to this nature in nova scotia so uh you know obviously extend my heartfelt condolences to those that were are affected by this i just can't I can't even put into words just, you know, how to feel about this because it's it's truly tragic. And a lot of people are taking this really hard. Well, it's uncharted territory. And I do know one thing about Canadians. We're a tough bunch. We will stick together. And, you know, the hashtag NS strong, Nova Scotia strong is out there for a reason. So, you know, if people in Nova Scotia need us and that's what we do. We shoulder the burden. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know. Canada, like you said, they're a tough country. We rallied around when uh, the Humboldt Broncos bus crashed. And, um, you know, most recently when Colby Cave died, the hockey community rallying behind Colby. It, that just shows how uh, how strong our country is. And, you know, obviously really, really tough to put in perspective. This whole weekend really just yeah it's hard to put into words and especially with the ongoing pandemic uh it's it's been much harder for other people so again uh you know on behalf of i would imagine yourself and everybody else we extend our thoughts and prayers to those in nova scotia over uh over this time Uh, so let's talk a little bit segue it's tough to segue it's pretty (laughs) tough to segue after that it's you know people have asked me about the situation you can't even really put put it into words it really is that tough so you know just hopefully um people can get back to doing what they've been able to do before this pandemic started and can be able to get back to their normal lives let's talk a little bit normal lives where's (laughs) hockey at that's what i want to know i know that this is a hockey related (laughs) podcast and i i mean all the sports have been pulled and you also have you know like this pandemic has affected just about everyone across the entire world oh yeah i i miss hockey so much oh everybody misses hockey and i mean with this podcast that's what we get to do we at least get to fill the void just a little bit at least for an hour to talk a little bit about hockey of course you and i chris very familiar with local hockey uh of course myself working for race side belfort you covered race side belfort this season on the radio and you know you got to come see this team play and they were putting up a really promising season, something that hasn't been seen in Chelmsford since the Sabre Cats days, finishing with a 40-win season, a first-round bye. They were about to play their first game, and then the CJHL decides that all games should be postponed, and then eventually the next day they canceled the entire season outright. This Canadiens team was going to go on a huge run. It was 
just super front heavy. They had a veteran goaltender leading the way. And, you know, honestly, I feel like Ray Side Balfour was robbed of a potential really, really big season. I absolutely agree with you 100. Um, so I I kind of loosely cover them in that I just read the scores and the stats on in the morning during the sports. But I would often go out to Chemi and go watch games because they're kind of like that little team that I always thought that they could. So I started about three. I've only been in Sudbury for four years, so about three and change years ago, going out and just catching every Thursday game because it's perfect. There's nothing else going on a Thursday. There's no musty TV anymore on a Thursday, so why not take the short little drive out to Chelmsford? And then from there, it was just, I mean, every single year, it seemed like building, building, building. And like you mentioned, 40 wins in the season, a team that after talking to the GM, Jeff was like gelled and they were ready to go. They got all the pieces that they were looking for and then just carpet ripped right from underneath them. And I don't know what you do with trophies. I don't know if you just, you know, give it to them or or how that works, but yeah, it's an exciting team. They're they're an exciting brand of hockey. I, I was really surprised by this year's team, how tall they were and how much ice they covered. They were finishing checks every single time that anyone touched the puck. There was a body on them. It was a physical and high-scoring team, and yeah, kind of feel bad. Yeah, they were very front-heavy with a lot of OHL talent. Of course, you know, Mitchell Martin, Giordano Biondi, David Bowen, who, of course, uh, was under the rights of the Wolves, went to Quebec. We've talked a little bit about him. One notable one uh, that was part of the team is another sub-rules draft pick in Nicholas DeGrazia. He was recently named one of four possible recipients for the Canadian Junior Hockey League Top Rookie of the Year. Now, obviously, people are very familiar with Mr. DeGrazia and... Just just an amazing, amazing rookie season for him. And you look at his stats, he, he ended up tied for the top spot in overall points among first-year skaters with 61. And for the Wolves, obviously, very promising future to have him in their organization. And Thunder Bay really knows how to produce good hockey players. And, of course, two of those Thunder Bay prospects, of course, were the Stahl brothers back when they were here, uh, back in the good old days of Wolves hockey. Um, you know, obviously, in the few amount of games you got to see DeGrazia play this season, obviously, there's going to be a lot more DeGrazia we're going to be in the future and obviously th- this season for Rayside Balfour a lot better than last year you know they were kind of a revolving door for a lot of players a lot of things changed about this team they didn't really have an identity going forward and then eventually Mark Burgess uh, purchases the team over the summer brings in Jeff Forsythe and the rest of the former Wolves organization including Blaine Smith coming in as a senior advisor and turned this team into I would almost say a legacy-like kind of team and putting them back on the junior map. And Nicholas Agrazia was a big contributor to that. So the the thought is he's going to be back next year or his rights going to be going to someone else? I I feel like he'll be with the Wolves next season, in my opinion. But with what the Wolves did uh, over this offseason, you know, with the uncertainty of Quentin Byfield coming back, what can happen with Nick DeGrazia? Personally, I feel like he'll be with the Wolves next season. But if not, I'm sure Rayside Balfour would love to have him back. And that would make Rayside Balfour a contender again next season. Do you know what else we were denied of this year, Thomas? The absolutely glorious, from what I've heard, Rayside Belfour haircuts. 
Instead yes. of doing the leap lawn for the playoffs, they actually went into the dressing room over the last you know couple days before their their postseason started because they had the first round by. And I I didn't get a chance to see any of the pictures. Julie from the uh, the marketing team there didn't send any to me, but I did not. I I feel like that would have been you know as they're taking their helmets off for the O Canada that <laughs> homemade haircuts. I mean everyone's doing homemade haircuts now. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know. <laughs> To, to see some young fellas in the dressing room for the last couple of days before their postseason, really just hacking away at their hairs, that uh, we got denied of that as well. Yeah, I think what happened was uh, most of the rookies, which pretty much made up most of the team, was mostly all rookies. They had to cut their hair in a specific style. Remember, Mitchell Martin kind of had uh, almost a half mullet, almost like the Patrick Kane haircut he had back in his old Stanley Cup runs. Would have been great to see on ice, but <laughs> you're right. We were robbed of a lot of stuff. You know, Ray said Belfort going on a potential long run in the playoffs. Uh, to see players really develop at a high level and then could potentially make the Ontario Hockey League this season. And, you know, obviously, DeGrazia, Mitchell Martin, will David Bowen be back in the Ontario Hockey League next season? Because, yep. uh, I mean, you remember when Bowen dressed up for the Wolves this season in that one game against Ottawa, he picked up a shutout, his first ever shutout. And, you know, obviously, he's still a free agent, so he can go wherever he wants at this point. And obviously, you know, he would be an overager next season. So Ray Balfour could potentially have Bowen back because he loved it. He here, you know, getting to talk to him and, of course, his father, which people are very, very familiar with. You know, David loves the city here. He loves mm-hmm. playing for this team. And that's a really good sign for this organization. And it's bringing talent from all across, not just the province, but from the country just to come to Chelmsford to play for this team. And that's that's what's really special because, you know, back when the Sabercats were a thing, they were the most dominant force in the NOGHL. And then other teams would trade spots, the Thunderbirds and the Beavers of the league. They would just trade being the top team for most years. But now with Burgess and Forsyth taking over the helm, I think they really did put Rayside Balfour back on the hockey map. When were the um, the Sabres? When, Sabercats? Sabercats, yeah. When were the Sabercats years? Do you know? Uh, it, it was – I remember the one year was 1999-2000. They were oh. almost undefeated. They went – uh, to the Dudley Hewitt, which was Central Ontario, and unfortunately fell short. But they won the NOJHL title for consecutive years. Like, that's how dominant they were and made them an integral hockey market for junior A hockey. But I mean, you know, for Rayside Balfour, obviously, they still have a very promising future. And, you know, obviously, people don't talk about junior A hockey as much. Obviously, people talk about the OHL and yeah. the WHL. The it, NOJHL, that's an Ontario thing. Yeah, and the NOJHL, mm-hmm. in my opinion, doesn't get enough coverage. And obviously having you guys at your radio station and your sister station and KISS talk about Rayside Balfour really helps develop our, you know, really helps develop our organization. And I mean, you know, obviously the NOJHL, it's a smaller market compared to the rest of Ontario. So to get that kind of exposure on radio or even TV is really, really special. And you guys have really helped in that part. Yeah, but I grew up outside Windsor, Ontario. So, I mean, we had Junior C in the Bell River Canadians, then Junior B, uh, Tecumseh, and Leamington had teams, but then there was no Junior A. So, it was OHL was the top. So, I just yeah. always assumed growing up that Junior A and OHL were interchangeable. It wasn't until I moved out West for the better part of 10 years that I realized out West, Junior A is king. Oh, yeah. In Fort McMurray specifically, but all Northern Alberta, Southern Alberta, you know, through the uh, the Calgary has a couple teams, Brooks, 
all the all these little towns and and that is king dog when it comes to uh to towns like that so that's what was my first exposure to junior a really and then you know from the product there the whl is there the ohl i respect the players that are up in the ohl but i just i don't know have an affinity or something for for junior a hockey <laughs> i mean you know people don't give junior a hockey enough credit it really is exciting hockey for the most part it's, and i mean obviously this year's no exception and um if i remember correctly i remember you coming uh to the NOGHL championship final back a few years back when they were facing Cochrane because it got so much exposure around the city because it was the first time since the Sabercats era when that happened. I love seeing something built from the ground floor. So I like going to like, I'm not going to go to every single game, no matter what team I'm, I even had Calgary flames tickets, season tickets. And like, you can't go to every game. It's just impossible, but to just sort of build. And then as soon as playoffs come, there is nothing better than playoff hockey. Don't care what level it is. It could be from, you know, from peewee all the way down to, it doesn't really matter what level you go to Adam. I'll go to an Adam playoff just because I want to see playoff hockey and to see, you know, as you start building it, like, okay, you, you get into the rhythm of when the playoffs are rolling around. And we've been fortunate enough to have the race at Belfort Canadians have a couple playoff runs, which means that you're not just, you know, stuck in round one or two, but you're actually getting into finals. And that's, you know, you get everyone out, everyone and their uncle. It's awesome. And, you know, obviously people can debate how far this team would have pushed. I personally think they would have pushed to a final. And, you know, just to talk about how you were wondering how the trophies would be handed out over the regular season. Of course, Raysay Belfort finishing as the top team in the West Division. So they win the regular season uh, West Division championship. So they add another banner. Unfortunately, you know, obviously with playoffs not happening, they can't add another trophy to that case. And, you know, of course, working with Raysay, I get to talk to Jeff Forsyth on an almost daily basis. What a beauty, first uh, off. He, he, he's an amazing guy. And, <laughs> you know, he's obviously well-respected for his work with the Subbury Wolves. And mm-hmm. as soon as he went with Rayside, people immediately wanted to come here because they made so many changes from how this team looked at the beginning of last summer. It was a totally different-looking team. and He's got that, deep roots in the hockey world. So oh, he's yeah. got a lot of – and, and people, like you said, people do respect him. I respect him. We've had him in the studio oh, yeah. a couple different times. and just a beauty every time. Yeah, and – Obviously, you know, I, I think you can agree with me when you have a guy like Blaine Smith in your organization, who's widely recognized, not just in Ontario, but the entire country. That's really promising and gets a lot of notification. And Blaine Smith has been there for a long, long time in junior hockey. Absolutely. Yeah, he um, I was just introduced because I didn't really know the, the backstory, the the history. But uh, yeah, he's very well respected as well. Just walking around that arena, you got the, you know, the almost like the king was in town. Yeah, <laughs> he, he would always greet you with a smile. No matter who you were, if he knew you or not, just give you a nice handshake and ask how you and your family were. That's how that's how special Jeff and Blaine really are. And, you know, that puts Rayside Belfort back on the hockey, uh, hockey map. Let's shift focus out to the Ontario Hockey League. Of course, uh, the, the big boys, the Subbury Wolves, of course, uh, Chris, you cover them uh, pretty much every week. A little more extensively, yeah. We uh, yeah, we have exactly. um, we had the I don't know if there the rights to them or that. Like we so we didn't broadcast, but I mean we had a very very close relationship with um, with them with Sudbury Wolves Sports and Entertainment. So. I, you know, talking about getting robbed of, you know, haircuts or robbed of a playoff run in the the junior A ranks, the NOJHL ranks. I honestly believe this Sudbury Wolves team was the one that was going to do some major damage in the OHL and 
I'm guessing that it would have been a finals appearance. I'm, I would have guessed that we're going Memorial Cup. Tell you the yeah. Truth. And I mean, you obviously take last season and a lot of people had us as an early favorite for an OHL championship. And, you know, the Wolves haven't had much postseason success since 2007. So, you know, last year was really promising and this year was no different. And, you know, obviously a big contributor to that was Quinton Byfield. And, you know, obviously this team going forward, they have some really, really good prospects in their prospect pool. But just, you know, with the season, with what happened, it was a roller coaster season to begin with. Just the uncertainty of what would happen with this team and what direction they were going in. They surprised a lot of people getting wins against a lot tougher teams in the league. And of course, most notably against Ottawa in the later stages of the season. Now, of course, we mentioned that key contributor being Quinton Byfield, who, you know, was obviously injured for parts of the season, went to the World Juniors. It had it had the entire city just in love with this guy. And I, I say this guy like he's a nobody. He's not a nobody. It's Quinton Byfield yeah. for crying out loud. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you've been here in Sudbury you know, for, I believe you said four years and Byfield's years, yeah. only been here for two years. So you are familiar with Quentin Byfield and how much this city talks about him. I wanted to get your opinion on just what kind of generational player this guy is. I don't think that we've had someone that was like, I remember when he was, when the Wolves got the rights to him and drafted him, there was the, I don't know if he's going to sign here or not. Cause of course the Wolves weren't the greatest team then, but to I've, I've never seen, and I'm, I've only been here four years. So that's a little drop in the bucket. I've never seen one player that is, more loved unanimously across the entire fan base and we did miss him when he went to the world juniors we went on a losing streak then uh the work that he does with getting families in and giving them the box and like just treating him i've seen this kid sign autographs just until like his hand was done and there was no (laughs) other fans that were there like you it's not very often that you get someone that can actually be the face, the look, the person, even with a helmet on, on the ice, that is the face of the franchise and is the franchise. And I think that we have that. I, do, I would hate to hear that we had that and that he's going to be drafted. We don't know where he's going to be drafted, but you don't know from there. Does he go to camp? Do they keep them up there? It all depends on the team that he goes to. And I think that it would be a, a real loss if we don't get him next year. Cause I feel like we were robbed. We were we were robbed. Yeah. And once again, literally just, you know, COVID-19 pulled it right from underneath us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not only were the Wolves robbed, a lot of teams in the Ontario Hockey League were robbed of long playoff runs. And honestly, Ottawa, I think, was the biggest one that was robbed because they put together the most dominant team this season that we have seen. I mean, they were kind of a mid-tier team in the start of the season. Then they went on that long, long run where they just kept racking up wins. Nobody could stop them. And they just easily ran away with the OHL regular season title with like two or three weeks left in the season. That's how good that team was. And, you know, you obviously feel for the overagers. And of course, I'm sure you're very familiar with Macaulay Carson, who's been here with the Lord's organization since day one. And I think he is unfortunately the biggest loser in all this because this year and last year were his, his most promising years to potentially win a championship with the Sudbury Wolves. And obviously people you know, are in love with Quinton Byfield. There's no question about it. But Macaulay Carson developed from a kid from just outside of Barrie and turned into the tough guy on the ice, but the real sweetheart off the ice. Because that's how, you know, how caring he was to a lot of these people. And on honestly, I feel for Macaulay Carson because his season and his career had to end this way. It's funny you should mention him. So I'm a big TikTok user. I love wasting my time with TikTok. <laughs> On the uh, Hockey Time TikTok, they actually have 
Macaulay Carson. Ah, his fight. <laughs> With good old summary boy Daniel Walker. For those unfamiliar with this fight, Macaulay Carson and Daniel Walker, within the first, what, two minutes of a nationally televised game, decided to drop the gloves. For those unfamiliar with Daniel Walker, he's from Sudbury, and he is without a doubt one of the toughest SOPs I have ever met in my life. And Macaulay Carson, being the tough guy that he is, drops the gloves and feeds Walker. Both of them just an amazing fight without a doubt in my opinion the fight of the year not just in the OHL but hockey in general I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> hashtag Chuck and Nucks yeah I, I was I saw it earlier this morning I was I was like okay this is awesome it was posted a couple of days ago that I have you know I'm I'm a big proponent of uh, of allowing tough guys or allowing your toughest guy to fight in hockey. I get the CTE. I'm a football fan, huge football fan, so I completely understand that part. But there's only three things to get people on their feet at a hockey game. It's goals, it's the end of the game, and it's throwing knuckles. And mm-hmm. there's just th- those three things get people excited whether you like it or not. So to, to see that earlier today was uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and Brian Floyd at the uh, sister station in North Bay actually talked about the fighting topic. Obviously, you know, hockey leagues are investigating the the fighting in hockey and debating whether or not they should keep it in hockey or take it out. Obviously, it's a part of hockey. It has been for the last long while since, you know, most people were born. But, you know, obviously you take the CTE stuff in into light. And then once Colby Cave passed away uh, a couple weeks ago, people were thinking that was CTE related, but it was only a brain bleed. So obviously that didn't really play a factor, even though Dan Carcillo decided to put his spin on it. That's a topic mm-hmm. for another day, obviously. But, you know, with fighting in junior hockey for some of these kids they may not have a career in the nhl for fighting because it's not really a commodity in the nhl anymore so for guys like daniel walker and macaulay carson they'll have to find fighting elsewhere and they are daniel walker is going to waterloo if i'm not mistaken macaulay carson will head out to pei to play with a few other former several wolves and doug blaisdell and the pilon twins so obviously fighting in junior hockey is getting a lot more scarce that's why mm-hmm. the ohl is putting rules into place to prevent this from happening and these kids developing brain uh, future brain injuries later on in the career do you think fighting still has a place in junior hockey i could see a day where it doesn't but you have to think so every generation is getting more and more used to it not being there like the game now you'd never see anyone who does like even just look at the domies right yeah so max is a skilled player who's also a tough guy his dad ty who funny little story went to the same high school as i did oh wow I, uh, yeah we're not at the same time though he's he's much <laughs> much older than me uh, the funny story is i was in grade 10 english class and i got a, an othello book right and I, I scroll through right at the back. Who's there? Ty Domi. I never oh, took wow. it. I should have taken it. And uh, the <laughs> spine was never cracked. So oh, wow. he, just, he got through Belleroo District High School unscathed. But <laughs> I digress. Um, the, the game has changed so much from even if you look at like where it was in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s and where it is now. It's completely night and day. So I can see a day when fighting is not in there. It's just, you know, there are way the fights are way way down now compared to what they were, and like I said, those those quote unquote tough guys, they're all skilled now. They can all score. They all yeah. have hands. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, fighting is a bit of a sensitive topic for a lot of people. And you know, people will say it's a part of the game. It has been, but you know, if if some, one of these kids, you know, ends up falling on his face and ends up 
you know, dying on the ice. Is that when you pull fighting out of the league? And that's that's one topic that a lot of people talk about. Well, there's a reason why the NHL they could they could easily fix this. It's their league. They could just say mm-hmm. no fighting. That's it. Yeah, done exactly. If you if you fight, you're suspended five games or you're mm-hmm. out for the season, and then yeah. you wouldn't see any. So I mean, they kind of have to shoulder a little bit of this, a <laughs> little bit of this debate. In that, if you could with one pen swipe completely take out something, then it's kind of on you to take the onus on that. W- without getting into the, all the lower ranks, everyone's going to follow suit afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, fighting in hockey is going to be a debate till the end of time until we all breathe our final breath. And I, I think you could agree with me on that front. I'm a fan, though, so I'm just, just going to go on the oh, yeah. as a fan. It's always great to see a nice fight, especially when it's on national television. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more about Quinton Byfield. Uh, you and I talked before we started the episode. Um, you know, the coaches poll recently came out and Byfield, you mentioned, and I remember you mentioning, was not a part of that. Of course, him being the reigning CHL Rookie of the Year, it was surprising to not see him on that poll, but, however, was named a finalist for the Red Tilson Trophy, which, of course, is voted on by sports writers and broadcasters for the Ontario Hockey League as the most outstanding player. And, of course, there is one representative for each team in the Ontario Hockey League, those being Tyson Forrester from Barry, Maxime Gallon for Erie, Ty Delandria, Arthur Kaliev, Shane Wright for Kingston, who, of course, is the 15-year-old sensation who just took the hockey world by storm. Uh, you know, Marco Rossi, just to name a few. Quentin Byfield, the representative for the Wolves, is on that list. Of course, he picked up a few awards last year. He becomes the second consecutive Wolf to be named a recipient for the award. And of course, Uko Pekalukinen won the award last season. When you look at this list, uh, Chris, do you see Byfield coming away as the winner of this award? I'm completely biased, and I I will own my bias. I steer right into it, absolutely. And if not, it'll be uh, uh, once again getting snubbed by uh, by an organization. I the OHL coaches poll. Coaches don't really know. Coaches look at film. Coaches go through practice. They know their team in and out. They know the other teams, roughly speaking. I mean, they're game planning against it. So I don't really put too much weight into that. But yeah, we need to get some hardware in here. We need to at least have something to say that this season was spectacular because it really was this season yeah. for the Sudbury Wolves was it was a complete gem and you know there was the big highs of going on long winning streaks and then losing streaks and then kind of back again so I, I would hope that Byfield picks up some sort of award well, you would have to imagine still, right? I mean, the, the season he had, even though he was injured and at the World Juniors, he, he there's no question why he's going to be one of the top t- top picks in the draft this upcoming summer. And, you know, you take into factor the Wolves winning their first Central Division Championship since 2001. Obviously, you know, not as many wins as they had last year. But the Eastern Conference was not as powerful as it has been in the past. Of course, you think of teams like the London Knights and the Guelph Storm in the Western Conference. The West is almost always going to be the top conference in the Ontario Hockey League. And honestly, in my opinion, goal scoring this season in the OHL was at an all-time high because we reflect back to the 11-10 game against Hamilton that mm-hmm. the Bulldogs won in overtime was the second highest scoring game in OHL history. And I just think, you know, with the goal scoring being as high as it was, 
obviously a lot of teams were going to be struggling in terms of goaltending. The Wolves were a part of that problem, but you know what? They still benefit from having really good defense and an amazing forward core. How can you, I mean, you're at the top tier when you have Ukopeka Lukin in net. So, I mean, there's nothing that's going to compare to his huge frame in, in goal, right? So I was happy with uh, Quinn Byfield's uh, performance, his uh, offensive performance. And now what I'm worried about, so I, I kind of track junior hockey. Junior hockey's uh, such a different beast, like college football, in that next year's team will, is not the same as this year's or the same as last year's. So going forward, I mean, obviously the season is canceled, so that's pretty much it. That's a done deal. Byfield gets drafted, may or may not go up. Uh, a couple of overagers go, like you mentioned. Here's what I worry about. Coach Corey Stillman, who has every single year brought the team just a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Does he get sniffs in the mm-hmm. show? You know, he's got his son. I don't know if his, if Chase is still eligible to play this year or not. I, when we had them in here, he was staying at a billet house, not even staying with dad, which I thought was pretty hilarious. But, you know, <laughs> he's, he's going to be someone who whose profile is raised by every single year, making these incremental steps. And this year, like I said, could have been all the way to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a lot of people have put – Corey Stillman's job in question he's really turned this team around from what they used to ha- used to be because I remember the Wolves having continuous losing season after losing season and people brought uh, you know when the Wolves brought in Corey Stillman a lot of questions were up in the air but you know what he's done a good job of turning this team around and you know obviously when you have such a well-respected former NHL or be a head coach for a team he's going to be that kind of guy that's respected by players in the room and outside of the room and you know his kid Chief Stillman who I thought had an amazing rookie campaign this year turned down a scholarship to play in Providence to come play for the Wolves and he put up an amazing season and he was a key contributor to a lot of the Wolves offense throughout the season and you know obviously looking forward to the Wolves future are the Stillmans part of this organization going forward we don't know could Corey Stillman get a job there's a very good chance he might uh, taking a fact Trent Call who some people are going to be familiar with most others may not be was a former head coach for the Wolves uh, back when Mark Burgess was still owning the team. He is now the head coach of the Utica Comets in the American Hockey League, which is a step below the NHL. For Trent Call, that's obviously a huge step for him. Of course, people bring back Mike Foligno, who was a coach in the NHL, Mm -hmm. coached with the Wolves, and, you know, is back in a role with the NHL. It it shows how much this Wolves organization, not just on the ice, but on the bench, really can make the next step to the National Hockey League. Absolutely. It's it's the the breeding ground. This is where... You know, high-level talent, both players, and it's just a laundry list of players that have made it up to the show, and coaches make it up there. Like, this is the minor leagues for a reason, because this is the minor leagues, and then that's the next step in in my eyes. And like I said, I don't know, he, he looks pretty good back there, and I've met him a few times. And, you know, he looks as tough in person as he does behind <laughs> the bench. And he's Great guy, tough though. On, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I just I, – I feel so robbed of this season that I – I don't want to go to game one of, of the 2020-2021 season. Like, yeah. it, it feels like going back to to square one of this entire thing. Yeah, it's going to be a very tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. And, you know, this was my first year working with the Wolves, and it was a blessing to be working for such an amazing organization like the Wolves. And, it, you know, seeing 
seeing Wolves games from a different perspective up in the media gondola, it, it's really a sight to see, especially when you're watching players like Quentin Byfield. You have a full perspective of the entire ice surface to see him just dancing around and just moving with such fluid motion. It's really, really a sight to see. And this Wolves team could have definitely gone far this season. And, you know, I can't help but side with you. I feel like we were robbed of a really promising season this year. And obviously, you know, going next year, not just for the Wolves, but for a lot of teams in hockey, there's a lot of unfinished business to take care of. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, focusing on some of the things that the Wolves have done since the season officially ended. Of course, the OHL priority selection has come and gone. They had a few of their draft picks signed, of course, uh, Coach Adelich being one of them. Uh, and, you know, their first round pick who signed as well. And that one kid from Pittsburgh, they drafted in the, uh, I believe it was the third or fourth round, uh, the fourth round, excuse me. They also signed. So going forward, the Wolves forward and defense, of course, looking a lot better. And of course, the most notable of them was the Montreal Canadiens goaltending prospect, Fred who myself, Brian Cooper, Rick Wyman, and um, Brandon Scott talked about in uh, Pure Country's Little Wolves segment. Uh, you know, obviously goaltending was a bit of a problem this season, and people kept bringing up Lukanen, but mm-hmm. they ha- that people have to face the music. That Lukanen is in the American Hockey League now. He's going to be with the Sabres for, I would imagine, a very, very long time. There's no chance of him coming back because, you know, this was a one-and-done deal, and that's why Buffalo you know, was a part of why Luke and came here so he could play in North America before making the step to the National Hockey League. And hopefully and get the coaching as well. Yeah. Exactly. And hopefully, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like Frederick D. Chow, hopefully he can be almost like another Uko Pekaluk in his situation, he can develop to be one of the top goaltenders in the league and then really make the next big step into the National Hockey League. Obviously, you know, there's still questions in the air of whether next season is actually going to happen because the COVID curve hasn't really flattened yet in a lot of people's eyes but you know obviously we have to stay positive and think about what's going to happen going into the summer because people are skeptical is of if the draft is going to happen if the national hockey league resumes their season but going forward the wolves you know could be just as dangerous next season as they were this season i have a feeling that next season goes in front of no fans is they're going to pull the yeah, they're going to pull the exact same thing that the the majors are going to be doing. It seems like the NFL is going that way. No concerts, no and no of the like the NBA's talking about that as well, baseball. So I can see all of the the ranks going with no fans in the stands or you know, fingers crossed that we can just do the physical distancing and make sure that, you know, maybe every, you don't sell out your entire arena anymore. You go mm-hmm. and at a third capacity or a quarter capacity and you make sure that everyone is within two seats from each other. So you're within that yeah. six feet apart. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's really not a bad idea. And, you know, obviously I think it's too soon to bring sports back as much as we want sports back. It's too soon because, you know, the cases in not just our city and our province but the entire country and world just continues to increase the curve has not flattened at all you you can you it's too soon to bring sports back and that's what people need to understand the health and safety of not just the fans but the players is what matters the most it we, yes we love the game but you have to take health and safety in first and you know if if the OHL and the NHL and any other major sport league were to play in an empty stadium, you know, obviously it would be restricted to what the NCAA was originally going to do. They were going to play in an empty stadium, have 
a few select members from people's families, you know, obviously have the team personnel, the broadcasting media. media. I would would imagine that would be the exact same thing, but who knows what's going to happen moving forward because, you know, obviously Doug Ford pushing the, uh, the isolation date back to towards May. I think it was mother's day. He said, obviously there's still, you know, time for us to hopefully make up from, us going out and not following the rules that were put in place. So obviously, you know, health and safety does come before sport, but who knows when we're going to have sports back. We'll have the reruns, but have not having current day sports, it you know, it's a really, really tough hole to fill. I'm a hockey fan, so I know that summertime is, you know, there's no hockey on. I guess the the NHL and the other leagues like that, the NBA and all the minor hockey leagues, they have the benefit of not having to start, like camp can start in September. Yeah. So you have from now till September, you know, the full summer to see where this goes before you have to make any big decisions on what you want to do with your games or or who you're going to have in. Well, I mean, you you think about what the National Hockey League was originally planning. They wanted to have a neutral site to play playoff games. North Dakota. Uh, in, in North Dakota or even New Hampshire, from what I've been told. And I would have been down. I would have <laughs> gone to a game. Like, you I mean, can't go to the game to see it, but, like, just stand outside of the arena. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, obviously, Gary Batman's going to take all the right steps to make sure if the NHL is to come back, they need to be prepared and make sure that there's no risk for these players. Because if one person gets sick when this all happens, that's it. They're going to shut it down right away. Yeah. Because you think about the situation in Ottawa when they had five members of the club being players and staff. They all had uh, COVID-19 and then, you know, of course, recovered, which is amazing news. But the NHL moving forward, you know, if they were to start playoffs in August, it robs the teams who were a couple points out of a chance to get back into it. Cause there was still a lot of NHL left to be played. And then, you know, August is when most people's off season officially begins. That's when, when we approach the preseason, like mm-hmm. you take a risk of having a shortened season and losing money, regardless you, if you come back to resume the season or not, I just don't know if I see the NHL continuing this season. No, I think the season's done. August is a time when all of the Sudburyan NHL players come home to roost and you get to see yeah. them in and about. Well, if you can get to their camps on Long Lake, then you get to see them. But if not, then <laughs> you're just kind of left on the outside. But that's when they are. You know, you start seeing some fancier cars rolling around Sudbury streets yeah. as they're picking up, you know, supplies from the, the South End Walmart and heading out to camp and everything. So <laughs> I don't think that this season, I think this season is done completely. Like put a fork in it. That's it. That's a wrap. There'll be no placard on the Stanley Cup. That's fine. 2020, 2019, 2020 will just be a blank year and mm-hmm. just start fresh next year. Which, which is, uh, yeah. And I was going to say it's, it's unfortunate, but again, you know, obviously people making the right decisions to put all this on hold and, you know, if the NHL they get paid comes more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I mean, you know, if it comes back, it's great. You know, obviously it would be nice to have hockey back. But again, you got to take into consideration the health and safety of, you know, the players and the staff and for the fans alike. Because, you know, let's take Sudbury into example. A lot of the fan base here in Sudbury are obviously adults and some of them being older adults. And, you know, they're more they're more likely to get sick from this covid virus because, you know, 
people with lower immune systems are very vulnerable to getting it and could very well pass away. So you have to take into account the safety of the people and your the majority of your fan base. So, you know, obviously playing in front of an empty arena wouldn't be the worst idea, but people would not be very happy. And you're going to lose money because where's your money going to come from if you don't have people buying popcorn or buying T-shirts or even buying tickets to the games? People are going to lose money regardless if the season, if their season continues or not or if it happens next season and that that's what really a lot of people are going to be looking into yeah because in the you know ohl world in the junior a world and the lower ranks the big big majority of what they get in cash flow is not by tv rights it's by butts in the seats yeah so the more the more attendance you have the better it is for you and then of course all the residuals like you mentioned about the concession stands and everything else afterwards but it does cost money to run an arena and it yeah. does to or to rent an arena if you don't own it just to, to put your product on so yeah exactly i, don't know. I want it back i miss it <laughs> like, it's not the same playing nhl 17 on my playstation 4 you know it's completely not the same the same visual same anything same intensity i don't get as riled up my heart doesn't beat as fast you know it's just completely not the same and you can no. make a case for watching old games and old playoff series and and everything else just it's it isn't the same no you know it's like going from being a player to now you have to be a coach. Yeah, yeah, you're still playing the exact same game, but you're just not the same intensity. You know, yeah. if you ask Coach Corey Stillman how it was to be a player compared to how it is standing behind the bench, you know, you're at, say, 20% of as, like living on the edge as a coach that you would be as a player. If the player, you're just all the way in because you know, yeah. you're in your peak physical condition and everything else. Yeah, and uh, I I have to I have to agree with that part. You know, it's it's not the same when when you're watching reruns. Some reruns I've been watching are obviously amazing. You know, like the Leafs playoff runs from the past, and just I remember seeing one uh, one video of when Martin Brodeur became just the second goalie in playoff history to score a goal. Just to hear Doc Emmerich make that call, just I immediately got goosebumps because you can't help but get goosebumps for moments like that. It's the moments like that that make me miss the sport even more. I mean, obviously I'll miss, you know, I'm going to miss baseball this summer. Obviously, you know, no football either because, you know, obviously no NFL right now. The XFL filed for whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. We haven't made a decision on the NFL yet. The draft is going ahead. Uh, the schedule is supposed to come out in sometime in mid-May. So my football trip, my yearly football trip with my buddy Duck is still not off the table yet. Well, obviously keep it on the table. Not a bad idea, but you know, obviously with the Olympics being postponed for this summer, obviously it's a huge financial loss for the Olympic committee. They're planning on moving forward for 2021, but even then there's a chance that might not happen. So who knows if even the winter Olympics could happen, uh, you know, come 2024, that's, you know, that's a long way from now. Obviously it, you know, once if the, if people stop moving, the virus stops moving. That's what people need to realize, and they need to take this seriously. And I've emphasized this so much to people, not just on here, but you know, on social media. If you don't move, then the virus can't move either. Like if we practice social distancing and stay within our own confines of our house, aside from going out to get groceries and, you know, respecting social distancing, then we can stop this from happening and we can have our sports back. <laughs> But, well, without fans, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Course. Is the big gatherings is going to be the the biggest thing hit, and you can't just shut the entire world down. That's that's completely not feasible. No, that's the biggest thing. So, I mean, I the flattening of the curve is 
ultimately to just say that we're not going to inundate our hospitals with cases. It's not to say that 70% of the, the population won't get it. It's just that they won't all get it within a two week period. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm fully prepared for the, who knows when I get it by accidentally going to the grocery store on a time that I should have been going to the grocery store and, you know, just kind of deal with it from there. Yeah. And you know, who knows what can really happen just as long as we practice being safe, then there's a chance that we, it may not happen. Uh, I was completely unprepared for this COVID-19, by the oh, way. Yeah. I've been seeing people online. Do you remember those big bubble dome hockey games? Like with the sticks that you pull? Yeah, the bubble you hockey. Well, I've seen that there are people that are playing tournaments with that and wiping them down after every single game so that you're keeping that distance. That's at least six feet, the ice length anyway. Mm-hmm. And like people doing garage parties with it. Like I, I was completely unprepared for this. No, and you know, nobody can really prepare for this. Cause I remember I started my new job. I was there for a week. And the next thing you know, they say that they're shutting down non-essential services. And, you know, obviously it takes an effect on me because I mean, that was a job. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I've only been there for a week. It's considered an essential service, but the owner wanted to practice social distancing, which I clearly respect. And it's the right thing to do. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously working with the wolves, you know, it's tough to not. It's tough to practice social distancing when you are sitting on a bench as a player, literally touching arms with your fellow teammates. You share the same locker room. The press shares the same room and airspace as you. So obviously you have to take all that into consideration. And a lot of people have. So, you know, obviously with no sports, that's just kind of the thing that we have to deal with. This is this is the day and age we're living in right now where we're not having any sports, no concerts. People, you know, obviously can still have a social life just not in person even if they do you know obviously keep your distance and make sure you are being respectful of that and you know if people do that we could have sports back by this summer but it's a huge toss-up at this point who knows what's going to happen i need it i need it back in my life (laughs) netflix just isn't doing it for me you know the too hot to handles and the love is blinds tiger king yeah that was fun that was a fun little flirt but i mean there's nothing better than real live sports and like i mentioned nothing better than playoff hockey oh yeah you give me playoff hockey talk about drama you don't know who's gonna win there's a reason why it's a best of seven and they Mm -hmm. don't do like a best of five or anything like that it's i miss Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that, that's the other tough part. You know, with playoff hockey, it, it's a totally different beast. And come Memorial Cup time, I love the Memorial Cup so much. And I talked about this with Brian Floyd. I feel like the city of Kelowna was robbed because they've been waiting to have uh, to have the Memorial Cup since the Kelowna Rockets existed. They, this was their time and they poured so much money to make this happen. And just to have it taken away from them by by a virus that came that just came out of nowhere and i feel for the city of Kelowna. you know obviously people talk about how Sudbury should put it in a bed they can't unless they get a new rank first of all second of yep. all yes for the city of Sudbury, it'd be great to host a memorial cup because you know obviously then the wolves can say they were at the memorial cup but you have to realize that there are certain rules that you have to follow your arena has to be up to date you need to have you know the sponsors in place you need to make sure that you're financially stable to do this Kelowna was ready to be financially stable and be able to do this 
But then COVID just takes it completely away from them. And unfortunately, they can't host next year because it moves on to the next league that's in charge uh, and responsible mm-hmm. of doing that. So I, I can't help but feel for the city of Kelowna. Who knows who could have been going to the Moral Cup at this point? It was a humongous toss-up. I mean, it was a Sudbury Wolves we're heading there. <laughs> exactly. We my, were representing my, the OHL. My apologies. You're right. Um, you know, obviously we want to have sports back. That's a given. But again, we don't get sports back until we get our butts in gear and make sure that we control and flatten the curve to make sure that this virus just goes completely away. Um now, one topic I wanted to talk about, I didn't go over this with you in the pre-show, but, you know, obviously us being hockey fans at part, we, you know, we don the jersey of our favorite team. And even if we have a favorite team, we have a favorite jersey that we see in hockey. I wanted to get your opinion on what your favorite jersey in hockey is. You could be biased. You could be non-biased. Okay. Uh, you know, do you have, let, let's narrow it down to a top three. Do you have three jerseys that you think are the best jerseys in hockey? I absolutely do. So I'm a Calgary Flames fan, full disclosure. So yeah. I'll go ahead and put the um, the 1988-89 Calgary Flames with that light, light orange. I'm going to put that one up there. It's not my top one, but it's up there. The jersey that I will every time stop in my tracks whenever I see is the Hartford Whalers jersey. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. It will st- – like I was walking in – um, Carolina and someone walked in with the Hartford Whalers Jersey and like just walking around, um, downtown. And I was like, stopped. I'm like, I need to get a picture with you. And I got a selfie with this guy wearing the Hartford Whalers Jersey. That one to me. And I do love, uh, maybe it's cause I was a fan of Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em's like the really early ones, <laughs> everything from like five down, like one to five, yeah. the, uh, Quebec Nordiques. Yeah. There's just, it's something so clean. It's, you know, the Leafs, blue and white doesn't pop as much as the Nordiques white and blue does. Yeah. My, you know what? I kind of have to agree with you. I mean, Quebec, obviously it screams Quebec because it has that little part on the bottom and just the logo itself is an instant classic. And, you know, I have a lot of favorite jerseys that I've seen in hockey. There's, you know, obviously great NHL jerseys. There's some college hockey jerseys that I just can never, ever get enough of, especially when it comes to junior hockey. And, you know, here's an interesting little thing. Today I was surf- surfing online looking for different hockey jerseys. I came across a jersey on eBay. It was a Mississauga St. Michael's Majors jersey, like with the dark and baby blue on it. And it had that vanilla white color. I couldn't help but scoop it up. One of my favorite all-time jerseys, one of my favorite wow. all-time logos. It, I love the way the Majors look. Not to say the Wolves don't have great jerseys and a great logo. They're really good. But the St. Mike's Majors just screams nostalgia, whether it was in Toronto or Mississauga. Just one of my all-time favorite jerseys. Now, shifting, obviously, to the NHL, if I were to pick a current favorite, it's really hard to narrow down because there, there's just so many nice-looking jerseys. And, you know, People are obviously going to say Chicago has the best jerseys in the league because they've had that same design for such a long time. The classic look. It's a very classic look, exactly. And they haven't really changed their look through their existence. One jersey in particular I like that came out of nowhere this season was the old St. Louis Blues Wayne Gretzky era jerseys with the red and yellow piping on the bottom. It screams nostalgia. It screams, uh, screams Wayne Gretzky era. Just an amazing alternate journey 
uh, alternate jersey that just came out of nowhere. And it was a really nice, uh, nice little shout out to the past. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. I, I'm a big fan of original six teams. So, I mean, the, you, you don't get much more classic than any of those. It, it was so simple. Maybe they just didn't have enough colors back when, you know, the 1901 season started. So there's a, there's a little bit of that. I like that everything is so simple. Like the Red Wings, just red and white. Yep. Toronto, blue and white. That's all we have. You, yep. you get one color, you pick it. Hopefully it, it looks good. <laughs> And one other jersey I have in mind that I think was great. Not only was the logo great, almost any jersey they produced was great. The old Atlanta Thrashers baby blue jerseys with the one dark sleeve. I don't care what anyone says. Hate me if you want. The logo was awesome. The jersey was different, but it was great to look at. I mean, you could see that, you know, obviously Atlanta was not a successful franchise. There's no doubt they were. Yeah, but, but they, they had some pretty good Calgary jerseys. with their Flames team. So, I mean, I can't really fault them for that. Thank you very much, Atlanta. They're <laughs> exactly. the number one exporter of, uh, of Canadian hockey teams, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks very much, Winnipeg. Thanks very much, Calgary. <laughs> Uh, and one, you know, obviously one team that's kind of up in the air is, of course, Seattle. Of course, they're going to be the 32nd team in the National Hockey League. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are wondering, first of all, what the name is going to be and then what they're going to look like. Now, obviously, a lot of people, you know, leaked on Twitter that it's going to be the Seattle Kraken. What could that logo in Jersey, Jersey possibly even look like? Would it be something almost out of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise? You don't know. I mean, look at the Seahawks. They got that lime green or neon green piping through their stuff. So who knows? Up in Seattle, I mean, that's that's coffee country. That's, you know, mm-hmm. they legalized weed 20 years before the rest of anywhere did. So yeah. I, who knows <laughs> what they're going to come up with. They're going to go up with something crazy, though, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I welcome Seattle coming into the National Hockey League. And one rivalry I'm already looking forward to is Vancouver and Seattle because people take into account the Blue Jays and the Mariners because Vancouver doesn't have an MLB team so most people in Vancouver either cheer for Seattle or the majority of those people cheer for the Blue Jays so Mm -hmm. you know when I see Seattle Vancouver face off for the first time who knows what's going to come out of that rivalry especially with how Vancouver's moving on with their future in place with guys like Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser Thatcher Demko that team is moving forward who knows what the Seattle team can look like not just aesthetically but on in terms of on ice production but you know with how the season could very much be ending who knows if they're even going to be playing next season or the year after that who knows what's going to happen but i mean you know seattle's going to be an interesting little test for them because they haven't had a major sports organization play within the confines of that arena since the seattle supersonics left the nba do you think seattle can pull a vegas and be as successful as the Golden Knights have been since they came in? No, I don't think they can because I think Vegas got the they got the luck of the draw when they did their little, you know, draft their own personal draft. They got some big, big players. Mark Andre yeah. Fleury goes to there and d- for the second year in a row goes on a massive playoff run, like just absolutely incredible. So I don't think Seattle is going to have that luxury. I think that the NHL owners have seen the error in their first blueprint and will temper that down. <laughs> I can also see coming out of Seattle, uh, the Seattle Vancouver rivalry, lots of trips to Costco and to go get gas. Cause that's what Vancouver <laughs> does. They go down to, to Washington and then they fill up. I grew up outside Windsor, same thing there. People would, we would do uh, border runs and, and everything else. So 
that's good. It's going to be exciting. It's once again, we're, we're talking about hockey that isn't even happening or could potentially, we don't know is going to be happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with the sign, uh, with this time and age of, you know, where we're at right now, who knows if we're going to have anything happen within the next few months, you know, obviously there's going to be news to talk about. We're still going to debate about stuff in hockey, but I mean, you know, moving forward, obviously, you know, people are being positive, which is what we need more in the world, more positivity. That that's just what the world needs more of. And, you know, obviously when it comes to the sporting world, we need to be more positive and have hopes that we're going to have our sports, especially hockey coming back soon. So, uh, Chris, I mean, th- th- this has been a lot of fun. I do. I, I want to thank you just for uh, coming in. You know, we talked last week trying to organize when we were going to do this, and this was just mm-hmm. a lot of fun to have you on. So thanks for being it's on the second lot, episode. Actually, a uh, funny little story. I think we're both Canada or college grads. Yes, we are. Broadcasting grads. Look at that. Canada or represent. <laughs> Look at us now. Yeah, look at us now. Who would have thought that we would have ever been here, especially myself. I did not see myself getting here. Uh, again, Chris, thank you very much for coming into the second episode. Big uh, big shout out to everyone for listening to this one and for all the support in the first episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it now. Get yourself up to date. Uh, on behalf of Chris, uh, Thomas Mercier here. Thank you very much for tuning into episode two of the DKX podcast. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Pod and and uh, follow Chris on social media. Chris, you want to plug in your Twitter for no, everybody? No, I'm a terrible social media follow. <laughs> Listen to me on 92.7 Rock. I'm way better on air than I am online. <laughs> Make sure you tune in to Chris Byrne on uh, Mornings with Mel and Chris on 92.7 Rock. Weekdays 5.30 to 10. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for episode number two. Thank you all for uh, tuning in to episode number two. And hopefully we'll see you again down the road for episode number three next week. Until then, thanks for listening to the Deep Geeks Podcast. We'll see you again next Friday. Thank you.